I won't bore anyone with my Alfred Hitchcock impression, but welcome back to Don't Slam Your Podcast. I am, as ever, your 2.4 host, J.D. Collins, halfway through to the fourth series of 2.4 Children, and today we have a brand new guest joining us. He is a 2.4 fan who has a very interesting history and memories of the show back in the 90s, and it is a BBC guy himself. It is Russell. Russell, thank you very much for joining us today. Nice to be here, JD. Thank you very much for having me. And it's just brilliant to have a podcast, I think, about this amazing sitcom. Well, we have a bit of, um, we've got a bit of history already before you came on to this show. So I get a lot of messages off a lot of you lovely listeners saying how much you're enjoying the podcast. And I really appreciate that. And if ever you want to give us a review on Apple, that will give us more, I think it's called I don't think it's called credit. It gives us more exposure. I'm not technical. I don't know the the uh, the proper terms, but it gives us more exposure. So I appreciate everyone for all their lovely support. But when Russell messaged me a couple of weeks ago and he said he was coming to Manchester, because that's where I live, um, to, to for work, he's just a meeting up so we could have a 2.4 children chat. And I was just like, yep, yeah, sounds good to me. And we had some really interesting, well, I found some really interesting things about your experience of the show because you're you have a very good memory of the show based upon um, the 90s from your... I'm not saying you're old, but you... I'm are, a bit older. <laughs> you're a bit older than some of my other guests who were mainly children, but you were about a teenager yes. when it was on. And teenager yeah. young adult when the show was on originally. Yeah, because I was born in 74, so I would have been 17 when it started. So, yeah, nearly an adult, if that's what's classed as an adult, 18. So, yeah, so, yeah I remember it really well. Brilliant. And I think that will lead us into the initiation questions and some of the points that you made will be, I think, come out very perfectly in the questions. So firstly, when did you discover 2.4 Children? Um, I think, as I was trying to recall this, because I think your mind starts playing tricks about what you remember first, especially when you've seen repeats and, you know, the VHS and the DVDs and whatever. So, But I'm pretty sure the first episode I saw was when the going gets tough, because I do remember Bill being in the supermarket with the power-hungry woman, yes. you know, and it was hilarious. But I think what drew me to it, because I always try and remember, how did I find a show? And I think it's because I used to watch Dear John, because I was what, 10, 12, 11 or 12 when that started. And I loved, you know, uh, Belinda Langer's Kate, because I thought she had a hilariously dry sense of humour. Yeah. You know, the way she would always critique Kirk, um, but, you know, was on the side of all the others. Um, and Louise as well, who, you know, all she's asked if there were sexual problems or whatever. I just thought it was a brilliant series, absolutely brilliant. And I think I recognised um, Belinda Langer in a trailer, so I thought, oh, I'll watch this because it might be good, you know, not really knowing what it was about. And I think um, when the going gets tough, the tough gets start shopping is the first one I saw, I think. So very, from fairly much speak, from, from day one nearly, you were watching it. Yeah, like episode three. But then obviously, because I bought the VHS, I then got to see the other. So then you kind of go, did I watch the first episode or not? But actually, I'm pretty sure it wasn't the first. I think it was that one. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And so what is your favourite episode? I've got three. Is that permitted? Go for it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I think my favourite season is season five. Yeah. And that's the one, you know, when you kind of a bit like, what should I watch? And stick on season five is my go-to. Yeah. But I think my favourite episodes are Frenzy. Yeah. I love uh, Rona and Bill being in Rona's house with the Pythons and going through all those old music tracks. They have brilliant, that scene. Um, although I do always worry about uh, Bill's back because it just looks like she's in agony bending over for that long. Yeah. Um, I also love Greed because I think 
again, it was about when the lottery was coming out, you know, the national lottery just started. So it all felt very off the time. Yeah. So I just remember that one really well. And especially the um, maths puzzle that they talk about, like factorials and 49 by 48. And I've tried constantly to work that out. And I'm like, still don't understand that. Um, and I also love May Day. Yes. That, yeah. I think, so reasons why Christine's in it, because I love Christine. Um, Auntie Pearl's in it, you know, Bet's in it. There's a kind uh, obviously Clive and his parents are in it, and it just the whole thing. I just think brilliant. It kind of leads lovely up to you know those really funny moments and the bomb coming through the ceiling at the end. So yeah, there's those are my three. Fantastic. From two from your favorite series, and so five series five is your favorite. That that was the most yeah. popular series, most watched series, and May Day was the most watched episode of all. Of no, all. really, fourteen million people watched it in October two, ninety-five. Oh, well, at least I feel like I'm on the right lines then. Yes. <laughs> Most popular. Okay, and I didn't know that. Right. I was nine months old when that episode Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Sorry. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I wish I would have enjoyed it. I wish I was older to have watched it originally. Originally. To, yeah. to really enjoy it. It feels like it, because I can easily enjoy it as much looking back watching it, but at the time, I do remember loving it and waiting for the next episode to come on you know it was and ev- and actually interesting everybody at work talked about it because I was I worked as, as a travel agent before I got into tv and um I remember we were in like a call center so sometimes it was a bit boring between calls because you know you're not always got something to do so we'd all chat and everyone would talk about the episode they'd seen last week I remember there was a girl called Kerry one of my friends and she, after the seven dials episode she would do an impression of Bill on Rona in Shirley Bassey's dress warehouse and even now I still remember it and it was interesting because I created a kind of Facebook group for us all for the travel agent thing and Kerry just emailed me and said do you remember when I used to do impressions of Bill and Rona from Two Bob and I was like yes that's the one lasting memory I've got so it's funny isn't it that at the time it really was a cultural thing that like like everyone talks about comedies now or Strictly now or Bake Off now or whatever it might be they did that at the time when Two Bob Children was on almost like water cooler tv it was it was exactly that yeah because a lot of the people I rem- i've spoken to who remember the show at the time were were kids or teenagers at school and everyone would talk about it when they went to school the yeah. next day and it's so it's good to know that it was something that adults would watch as well because it would be one that the parents would watch their kids but then the adults would watch if they didn't have kids they could just enjoy it as a show to watch so, yeah it was a fan yeah i mean because i think you've spoken about this with some of your other guests on the podcast but it felt quite adult at times didn't it you know all the jokes certainly worked on multiple levels which I think is clever you know and Andrew Andrew I think is a great writer and did that brilliantly you know so there are some quite rude stuff but actually the kids wouldn't necessarily know what that means well there's a couple of um references in this episode that we're discussing <laughs> today that is quite dark or have dark yeah. implications but very well read I've always thought that about Andrew Marshall he's got he's got so you can tell the knowledge of culture history and 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 and, and life is encapsulated yeah. in the show it's, there's more depth than you get in something like my family or even mrs brown's boys which i don't i only put those out there because they just <laughs> seem to get repeated forever and, and don't have anything yes. don't have much depth as i think this show has and something no, you're right it's rich isn't it i was gonna say it is yeah. i was gonna say that populist culture throughout the series you see it all the time and i think it even though it could date it i don't think it does because if you're a nostalgia if you like nostalgia or like looking back which apparently someone said to me the other day is very good for you to look back in in a nostalgic way it's quite good for people's moods um i just think it's, it's full of it in, in mm. this series so. and then again in this episode a reference to a famous author and his book that, yeah. is, that is still very much 
well, Sarah Lynch ran a very well-known story because of a recent film adaptation. Yeah. And something else you told me, which this made yeah. me uber jealous. You didn't go to just one or two, but <laughs> three studio recordings. So tell yeah. me about the, the episodes and, and your experience and memories of, of going to those recordings. Well, yeah, I mean, I do feel very lucky to have gone, to be honest with you. But I mean, interestingly, the, I, I was trying to think, how did I find out? Because obviously this was pre really the Internet, you know, where now it's it's out there that you can go and see shows and be in the audience and whatever. Um, but my friends, I used to also work as a fitness instructor. Two of my friends were on a makeover show called Style Challenge, which was like on it was, I think, it was 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, and they went and they had like a 70s makeover and I was in the audience for them because they got us tickets and when we were waiting to go in there was all these leaflets in Pebble Mill in reception and they're all on like you know just bits of paper they weren't glossy brochures and it was kind of like you know two point four children and there were some others which I can't remember whether it was British or one of those but I remember thinking oh you can go and see a sitcom because obviously this was a factual show that I was at um, so I thought, well, I'm going to apply. So, and I can't remember whether you rang or, or wrote a letter even or what it was. It was something, you know, of that ilk. But anyway, I got tickets and I remember you had to, They in the letter, it said they give out more tickets than, of course, can go in. So please get there early. And I wasn't from London, so I lived in the Midlands. So I remember going, I can't even remember who I went with the first time either. Um, but I remember going on the train and getting there like four hours early. And there was a queue outside television centre and I was still one of the first in the queue. You know, I mean, I mean, if you go to a Strictly show now, Strictly from Dancing, because when I worked on it, you had to get there at eight in the morning to guarantee you get in, really, because so many people want to see it. But obviously this was, I think it was always a Sunday. I've got a feeling it was a Sunday night. Um, but anyway, got in and uh, yeah, so I saw Vertigo first for season six, Malcolm X from season seven, and then really lucky to go to the Millennium Experience from season eight. Which is no, brilliant. Cool. Kind of random. You didn't pick it. Ju- you just got what you got. What you got, kind of thing. Um, but it was great. You know, you'd go in. Um, we'll walk in single file into the studio, and, and they put you in seats. So I don't remember sitting near the front particularly. But um, then there was a warm up guy, and if anyone doesn't know what that is, you know, there's a guy who he kind of keeps you entertained while things are happening, or they're removing cameras or whatever. So I think also to keep you warm you know, and so that you're going to applaud and laugh and all the rest of it. Um, and then when when they're ready to start, they introduced the cast one by one. So they all came out, waved, if you like. And then they would start recording. And uh, then at the end, I think one of the cast each time would say thank you to the audience. They'd turn and just say, you know, thank you so much for coming. I hope you enjoyed the episode when it goes out, that kind of thing. And I think Julia Hills did at least two of the three that I saw. Um, but it was brilliant, you know, and there was there were fluff sometimes. Um, which was great to see, you know, and you, you watch the episodes in completely in order. So, um, you know, like some drama or most dramas aren't recorded in sequence because yeah. you do it on a set at the time. But this was always in sequence. And obviously some of it was on BT, so you'd watch it on the monitors. Um, but interestingly, when they did make a fluff, the audience still laughed as hard the second or third or fourth time, yeah. which I think that just shows you it's a, they were really good jokes. Yeah. Um, and I do remember, I remember in Malcolm X... There was a thing with the Cluedo board where they're plotting the route, I think. I think Jenny and David are plotting the route to show Ben. And they had to do that a few times. That was a nightmare for the poor continuity person because, you know, they've got to reset all of the bits and bobs. And likewise, in Millennium Experience, um, Belinda has to hold a satellite dish. Mm. 
she gets handed it. They must have done that scene eight or nine times. And I remember saying, it was, this is really heavy. You know, it's a proper satellite dish. Yeah. So that was really funny. But but uh, no, such a good experience to go and see it being recorded. It was brilliant. And how did they do the vertigo um, bit on the on the um, oh, top? Because we had Julia on recently and they did. They, that is a, obviously a set in the studio. Mm. But that you actually were there. They were there. on yeah. the set. Wow. It was amazing because I, I think I kept thinking, you know, how is it going to look? Because they've kind of got the, the, the flat or whatever they're standing on. You know, and then the flat, the flat itself was a separate set, you know, next door. So do you know what I mean? Yeah, when yeah. they came out, it wasn't like it is. I mean, it's so clever when they got all together. But, and then obviously what I thought was really good was the, um, the scenery. You know, it did look like it was exterior, didn't it? Which was obviously, I, I think it was superimposed. So I don't know whether it was green or blue, blue screen that was at the end, yeah. which they then keyed on the skyline. Yeah, because it looks really um, convincing. It doesn't it and it wasn't wasn't that high off the ground do you know what I mean so it really good to see that one because it was such a big piece of set and iconic fantastic what an amazing opportunity to have seen yeah. those I mean at Pebble Mill you say that was the third the one where you got the the leaflet from we was yeah. Pebble Mill the patrol that was where they filmed the pilot oh, two children at Pebble Mill in Birmingham yeah well that actually that's where I started working in television so in because I was from the Midlands so I started there in 1999 Wow. And then stayed there for about five years. So and it's a great it was a great place to work. Did you go when it, it closed in 2004? Did it? So was it that when you left? I just left just before it shut and they moved to mailbox in the centre. Because everyone I went, it's funny when everyone when everyone went to mailbox, or because I've still got quite a few friends that work there or, or were working there at the time. And they were like, oh, there's no car park now. You know, the restaurant's gone. You have to eat out. You know, and it was a great place to work. There's a huge garden, really nice restaurant with a nice skyline. I mean, it was an old building, but it had a lot of history and character, you know. I've seen clips of Pebble Mill at one. Yeah. And it looked, and, and, and they had, when, when it was the set where they had the window and the garden and everything, it yeah. looked really nice place to work. What? Oh, it's brilliant. I've got such nice memories of working there. And I didn't know at the time that 2.4 had been shot there, the pilot. Yeah, and then went to TV Centre. Yeah. Another TV Centre sitcom. All the greats yeah. were made there. Oh, yeah, TV Centre's great. Amazing. And so who was your favourite character? I think it's got to be Bill. I know everybody says that, but I think it must be. Because I think she's so... Well, she's the centre of everything, isn't she? Yeah. You know, things happen to her and she's, she is the sensible one as well, for the most part. Well, she's trying her best, you know, but obviously all these weird things happen. So I would say, I think it's probably Bill. I mean, I do love Christine and every time that she wasn't in it, I was kind of like, where's Christine? You get that, don't you? With yeah. a lot of shows, like, where's Christine? What, or in this next season, what's the Christine episode or what's the Bet episode yeah. or yeah. what's the Jake, Jake episode? You know, is, yeah, is there going to be one? I, I think that's good when you've got that rotor of characters and from why if i remember correctly what you said that when christine when the um the cast would come out and the studio recordings when christine would come out she'd get a real cheer when she yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah and because they, they, they'd introduce them by obviously their actor's name as well so they'd be like kim benson playing christine and she got an amazing cheer so yeah it was, yeah. It was maybe everybody else were fans in the audience you know and they were kind of like she's not in every episode so it's kind of like yes kind of great she's in this one I think, you know, with some shows, especially ones that are long running studio sitcoms, certain shows that when they start, certain characters don't get the cheers that they do later on. Like if you watch the first series of Ab Fab, Patsy yeah. doesn't get the kind of cheer that she gets later on because she's become an iconic character. And it's just that building up and you get the, the, um, the following and the fan base go to see it. 
I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've watched that fab as well. And I've never noticed that. That's really interesting. Yeah, you're probably right, isn't it? It's, it's someone who has a, a presence, but like you say, it builds with the, as the series builds. So, yeah. I'll, I'll watch your different eyes now. Yes. Well, any other time to rewatch that show is, is always worth it. Oh, yeah. Do you think it's aged well, the series? I do. I do. I mean, obviously, there are elements to it that you go, well, that dates it for whatever reason, whether it's the technology, whether it's the references to popular culture or whatever. But actually, I think the humour is, you know, could be now. Yeah. I mean, the way it's shot, obviously, is older fashioned. I mean, if you think Miranda wasn't that long ago and that was shot in the same way, mm, yeah. um, even, you know, Catherine Tate did a um, sitcom, you know, about her nan character. You know, yes. the and I, I was lucky enough to go to an episode of that as well. Wow. I still got the bug. Um, and that was probably only, I don't know how long ago that was, but it, that was shot the same way. And it's still, to me, that still felt you know as funny and as relevant and no I didn't hear anyone ever say oh it's shot like that so it's old-fashioned so I don't see apart from some of the tech and the um populist culture reference I don't know why anyone would say it's dated particularly yeah I think it's it's still funny in an entertaining way you see old films that are still funny faulty towers are still funny and and I think it's a balance you can be of the time and of all time yes it was definitely undervalued, though. Like I know you've said before, you know, it should be shown more. I think for people, like you say, so they don't confuse it with my family and think it's the same because it isn't. Because I didn't like my family. Why do you so so perfectly leading into the last question of the initiation? Why do you think it's been forgotten? I genuinely don't know. I think maybe because it ended as it did, you know, because Gary died. I don't know whether that's something to do with it. Well, it shouldn't be really. Um, but maybe it's not one of those obvious ones. And because it spans so many episodes, you know, the things that are repeated more so, I mean, Faulty Towers only, only got, what, 12 episodes yeah. or something? Um, I don't know. Maybe, I, I, genu- I genuinely don't know. It's a shame, really. And, and like you, I saw on Brickbox um, the Christmas special. Yeah. Which is pleasing to see. So, you know, maybe maybe there'll be some more coming on Brickbox, which would be nice. Well, I think what, was, what gave me hope with the Brickbox inclusion was there were people on Twitter who discovered it on Brit, the BritBox just randomly, who oh, really? aren't like fans like we are in terms of they're not following the Facebook page or any yeah. fan page. They just, they probably forgot about it and then they saw it and remembered it, watched it and said, oh, that's amazing. Let's see more. And it's, it shows that it's still working. It still yeah. works as a sitcom that people love even now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, if you say that, if, if it's been popular enough, I don't know how BritBox works, whether they kind of go, oh, X people have watched it so we'll get more you know they might be trying stuff out I don't know but no I was gonna say but hopefully you know if enough people have watched it and they can clear the rights because I think with with any show you've still got to keep re-clearing the rights because I think Brickbox gets treated slightly differently yeah um you know than, than a kind of linear broadcast um certainly when I've done some stuff for Doctor, the Doctor Who Blu-ray box sets which I kind of look after you know sometimes if there's a music problem it's really tricky to try and clear it. You know, if it's the Beatles or if it's something really well known, it's it's very hard when it's not just going to be shown on TV when it's a commercial product of some kind. So maybe it's to do with that. I don't know. Yeah, it's frustrating because with BritBox, they I, I, they always release each month what's new in the right. next month, and I just see some stuff and like, why can't you put my <laughs> foot children on so much rubbish they put on? But they, obviously, they have fans. I mean, is there any way you can put suggestions? You know, is, is there a yeah? There is? Yeah, there's a, a Twitter page and a and a, 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 I think something on their website. 
so they do um, take on I think a few people I know have mentioned 2.4 children I think that's probably the way to do it yeah then get the the name mentioned many times and hopefully that might make them consider it yeah that's a good idea okay I'll add that to the list well (laughs) thank you very much you have won the initiation you passed it you you were always going to and so we are we'll go on to the episode curiosity killed the cat before we do yeah. that, though, this is, as many people know, the episode that spoofs Rear Window, the yeah. famous Alfred Hitchcock film. So before we go into the review, inspired by The Master of Suspense, let's listen to a memory from the master of sitcom, suburban surrealism, Andrew Marshall. Hi, this week it's Series 4, Episode 4, which is called Curiosity Killed the Cat. I don't know to explain where that comes from. Um, This episode uh, contains two parallel plots, um, one of which, you know, another thing we could have titled the episode was Rear Window, except uh, Bill is observing Rona's house through the front window, so it didn't really quite work. Um, So Bill's portion of the plot is is basically a a kind of Hitchcockian um, plot, almost uh, entirely identical to Rear Window, where she is observing Rona's house and makes various um, ridiculous um, assumptions about what she sees. Uh, And as it is a Hitchcockian plot, uh, and Hitchcock used to make a cameo appearance in all his movies, he makes a a small cameo appearance uh, in the episode. Uh, Running parallel to this is a plot about the Grimes' cat, which... um, uh, they were supposed to be looking after while they're away in one of our what I call vertical uh, plots, which dates back to various disasters with the, the Grimes' pets and so forth. This involves a, a long chase by Ben to uh, capture or recapture uh, a, a black cat. Uh, as you know, you can't really train cats. Uh, so uh, I imagine uh, I can't quite remember but I think it probably took quite a long while to get the the shots we wanted but uh, we did manage to get most of them and um, sometimes it's a real cat and sometimes the more uh, tricky things it's well I I hesitate to call it an animatronic cat it was uh, another one of Steve Lucas's uh, inventions I suspect using the the model uh, car controls again where uh, he has uh, a model cat w- which has some kind of limited movement and I think there's also a shot of a cat uh, sort of falling through the air which I think I'm right in saying is also the fake cat so please don't worry about cats um, I think that's all uh, here it is curiosity killed the cat I've never seen makeup showing someone washed out more vividly and more realistically than in this episode. Because she, Belinda Langer, is made to look like she has got the flu, like oh, genuinely. Yeah, completely. I, I, her acting as well. It was like that is if you've got the flu, that is exactly what you're like, isn't it? Yeah. No, she didn't look. She, I've heard, I've heard people say actually she didn't mind looking unglamorous, or she wanted to embody the role. So I've got, I had a friend who I used to work with in entertainment, and she was a production manager and a production assistant on Two Point Four Children. So when I found out, I was kind of like grilling her, you know, like oh, what was blah blah blah, like and all that kind of stuff. And she was saying that one thing she remembered about Belinda was she specifically wanted to dress 
and get things that she thought Bill would wear. So whether that meant shopping at BHS or those kind of stores, it was never anything designery or anything like that. And, you know, it was always, she, she was very adamant about it's got to be realistic. That's what I read in a magazine um, interview with the underlying British home store she mentioned, which is a, obviously a very big throwback. You and I remember that. Because compared to Kate and Dear John, she plays someone who's a bit more, she's she's quite, she wears quite modern clothes. She's a, yeah. she's she's. Oh, I mean, in that show, she's married three. She's been married three times, but she's a single woman. She's yeah. wears really cool clothes. In Second Thoughts, which she was doing at the same time as oh, yeah. she, she was this kind of upper class, glamorous, yeah. spoiled socialite, really. Posh, wasn't she? Very posh. And the and her pajamas in in this in this episode, she just it looks like kind of a mum clothes I mean if yeah. anything Rona's the one with the fashion yeah. sort of, because she's the single woman she likes to go out she likes to enjoy herself yeah. and that's very true and so with this scene it's a great bit of, of dialogue between the kids shouting outside because <laughs> even now Bill can't get any peace he's just like you know Ben Jenny's like saying she needs peace and quiet and that's <laughs> the last thing she's getting yeah, but also it's the fact that they're shouting so much, but think through a very thin wall and door that she can't hear them. That's what I find hilarious. That the perception is, well, she can't hear us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we'll, we'll shout even louder. Well, you learn later on that they're on the landing, so they're right outside the door, yeah. and it feels like they could be a bit further away. To be honest, we yeah. hear about something's broken. And then she says, oh, when mum finds out, she'll go ballistic, which is, you know, everything they're saying is just not going to make her relax when she's already yeah. someone who wants to be in control all the time. And then when Jenny enters and says that the builder's making noise and offers to make Bill a cup of tea and anything else she needs, just let her know. Bill turns around and says, well, there is something. And then Jenny's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> Even when she's ill, she can't get any support. And I think this is a great, ep- a great bit of um, observation because... I think a lot of people are very sort of snobby about family sitcoms because yeah. they feel like they're kind of knockabout or they're just a bit unrealistic. But what I love about this show, because while it does go into the sort of surreal, which isn't a knockabout, that I think that's a really clever storytelling technique, if you can go into surrealism, yeah. is how just little observations and intricacies, just like Bill is is the trod, down, down, downtrodden tread upon yeah. mother, who can't even get looked after when she's ill and you know when she said when David enters says he wants to cheer her up oh, you yeah. know he, he's getting like that little lad who's just gonna he's just cheeky chappy and and saying oh, I'm gonna cheer you up even though he's probably gonna do the complete opposite <laughs> I, I mean I loved that and I think it's that it's that perception that the kids feel like they've got to be nice to her because she's ill yeah. But they really don't want to do any of that. They want to be, you know, Jenny wants to be talking to Clive or meeting Clive. David wants to be, I don't know, cutting something up probably. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think they feel like, oh, she's our mother. We've got to do this. And that's kind of what you hear outside the door, isn't it? Oh, she's got to, she wants more tea, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like, it, it just feel realistic. It feels like kids, if that happened, that is exactly what would happen. And, and what I like is the the little sort of personality traits that they have and, and and shows. So with David, he says, you know, well, firstly, she puts he puts his feet on the bed, she says, take them off. But he says, well, you, yeah. have to, you know, sneeze phlegm all over it. Um, <laughs> could You know, it could be tuberculosis. It has come back. You know, he's just not doing the right, not saying the right thing. And Bill says, well, you know, so do Torval and Dean, but I don't want to be in bed with them. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which is a good line. Which is a good, ta- which is a very... Um, 
contemporary line for them because that was the 94 the year that they came back oh, was it, was it? yeah because they were big in it was 84 wasn't it their big bolero yes. but then was it 94 when they came back yeah because my parents went to see them in the 80s oh okay and remember when they came back in 94 in fact we are me and russell us recording on the 23rd of july and um the tokyo olympics opening ceremony happened a couple of hours ago oh it did yes yes totally it, was, it was really good was it really good? I might have to watch that on catch up. Yeah, no, it was really good. And so, and Torvaldine obviously still around. They 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 were doing dancing yeah, on ice yeah. now. They're, that's they what I mean. That's not it. Doesn't date the show, does it? Because they are still doing you know big shows like Dancing on Ice. They're still well known now. So again, anybody watching now would get that reference. And also, as I as I have in, in occasionally with the show, if I don't know a reference, Google it. That's all. And and it's better. It's it's nice to learn about new people. That's how I see it. Well, yeah, and also what what most people do now is obviously watch TV with their phone yeah. anyway, you know, whether it's because they're flicking through, you know, social media or whatever it is, or like you say, they're looking for stuff at the same time. Yeah. And so Bill sneezes into a tissue and asks, David asks if he can look into it. He's just got the most disgusting yeah. interests. Um, he says he's consistent, he's, though. Oh, he's he? very consistent. Very this, consistent. Is, this is the lad who three years earlier asked if he could go to the uh, hospital to watch the ambulances arrive. <laughs> I do remember that line. And he wanted to, he'd want to be ill in there in her room because of rear window. Yeah. Now I wonder why David would want to be in Bill and Ben's room for rear to do to to look out because he gets to see Rona's bedroom. <laughs> well, that's your thinking. <laughs> well, I just remember in the first episode when he says about having to do biology. This is in the very first pilot yeah. episode. And Rona says, well, you'll need to know a lot. I need to know about that. And he goes, I do. My bedroom's opposite Rona's now. Yeah, that's true. Now, his bedroom is at the back of the house. But I think David is the type who would just say something like that to try and make her feel awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I think he would make it up with me. Yeah. I've never thought about the geography of the upstairs, though, at all. Other than now you've said it of it, of their their bedroom being opposite Rona's. Yeah the front of the house and then yeah yeah it's one of those i think um you know with the first series of a show i mean i don't think they go upstairs i can't remember if they go actually go upstairs on the landing you go into the bedroom but you never actually go in the landing from what i I can remember i Um, I remember i remember watching the show and thinking i always loved it when they did go upstairs yeah because it it, it looks real yeah it really does i mean they get this the whole stair going up and looking down and all that kind of stuff perfectly so it just gives it a bit more dimension to the house doesn't it you see a bit more of it i think oh absolutely and and, and a good bit of um intricate work for the set designers yes I, I, exactly. kudos, kudos to them they did they did a really, really good job of making things look um the way it all moves around and the little steps yeah. up it brilliant stuff seamless yeah so David mentions Rear Window. For anyone who doesn't know, that's an Alfred Hitchcock film. And I will read out what David says, how he sums it up. So in Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, Jimmy Stewart's ill and he spends his time looking in people's windows with his telescopic lens. And the man over the road has just murdered his wife and puts the pieces in the big black trunk. Now, weirdly, this is episode is the third comedy series in 1994 to spoof Rear Window. Is it? Yeah. So in April 94, um, do you remember the BBC series, The Detectives with Jasper Carrot? Yes. They did a rear window spoof. Wow, okay. And theirs was more that they, one of the characters, the, oh, I've forgotten the other guy's name, not Jasper Carrot, it's the other guy. Yeah, um, the guy with the dark hair. That's the one. 
he yeah. he's in the in a block of flats and the exterior of the opposite flats looks like rear window it does look like the similar setting of rear window yeah. the second show is the simpsons weirdly shown mm-hmm. in september 94 in america obviously will have come here probably about t- five years later but they did a great episode with bart doing rear window uh, i think bart's got a, um, a broken leg and he's in his house so it's very similar to how 2.4 children does it it's set in a bedroom in a suburban street so david leaves her the telescope and ben shouts up that he's back and then david looks outside the street with the telescope but points out that there's no fan that's right and one thing really here when ben enters is just the difference between the color in gary olsen's face bear in mind obviously he's not wearing any makeup but yeah. Belinda Lang looking so pale and white, just the difference in the in the way they look is is really just it just it just looks so good. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, I I agree with you. I did, I must say the line that Bill says about perhaps he's chopped up the van and put it in a Ford Fiesta. I love that line. And that's yeah. really clever. Yeah, because she because I like I like the way she um, talks about a uh, rear window because when whenever David talks about any of his weird obsessions, she's just like oh oh oh, and then when he's like. Can you and she starts go, he starts going, she goes, Can you just make me a cup of tea? Can you just go down? Could you just do something else? Yeah, I don't want to hear any more of your weirdness. Thank you yeah. very much. She's probably thinking where's he got it from. She's just yeah. as bad as Ben, though. That's the thing. That's what I've learned yeah. watching the show. <laughs> and when he um, Ben mentions that Christine's doing a leaky radio on her own and drop has dropped him off. Again, as you say, Bill's cough and the way she coughs is like a throbbing, horrible, yeah. throaty cough. Yeah. Too right, it's, and it is like you know when you're on public transport. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic still, so everyone's obviously uber cautious. But before that, when you're on public transport and someone's got a real coughing fit, I don't know about you, but I always kind of I can feel myself turning away. Oh yeah, to get away from because I'm like I don't want it. And I think that's the thing with him trying. You know, he goes in. She says, "I want a kiss" or whatever, um, and he's like trying to avoid it at all costs. It's like I don't want that. So yeah, I could I could kind of feel that uh, similarity. But you wouldn't you wouldn't give your partner a kiss if you've got the flu, would you? No. You keep you you keep as far away as possible. I mean, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, if if there's anyone who I think would who would ask for a kiss when they're ill, it's Ben. I would normally think, but Ben then again is quite um he's quite a wimp, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's the last person to be to be worried about cleanliness, but clearly when it comes to germs, <laughs> he doesn't want to catch anything. Yeah, but then again, bear in mind she didn't eat her breakfast, and so he starts eating it, even I though know. she says he'll eat it later. She says, "I'll eat it later. So I'll save you some." She's like, "What the heck?" She might have, she might have thought, oh, you know, she might have grabbed it and thought, "No, I can't." Yeah, yeah, I thought that, and it's like, well, he he's seen a lot though, isn't he? Eating in this throughout the series, that's the common mm. th- trait of his, basically, that he likes to eat. One thing I thought though, I don't know what about you. What do you have when you're ill? Because I. Always, it was dried toast and possibly Heinz tomato soup, but it was never cereal. I don't think I ever, was ever given cereal if I was ill. No, I, I my mum, when I was young, I was my mum always wanted me to eat wheat fix when I was younger because it's good for your digestive system. But when I was ill, she'd say, "No, that's going to make you feel more ill," and it's true. Um, do you know what my mum used to did used to like suggest when I wasn't well? Um, uh, flat Coke or flat lemonade? Really. Because it wouldn't if you leave it out for a bit and it goes flat, so it loses all the pot, but it gives you some strength. Um, dry toast, yeah, that that's one. And um, also, if you've got a really bad tummy, black tea 
no milk or sugar. Right. Ooh, I mean, to, I really like I'll give it a whirl and next time I will. It does the job. It really <laughs> and you know what? It's fine. The, the the drink is fine until it gets to the back of the throat and then it's really strong and horrible. Okay. I should look out for that. Mind you, I suppose when you're ill, most things don't taste that nice. I remember thinking the dry toast is a bit, oh, don't really want this. But I certainly would never want, you know, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised Bill didn't, didn't eat it because cereal with milk is like, you don't want milk when you're ill, I don't think. No, milk, the milk's the last thing that they said. Anything dairy, cheese, yeah. milk, no, no, not something you would have. You know, she keeps saying that she's heard something break. He tells her not to worry because she's a control freak. And, yeah. and, it's, and if you're, I mean, I'm quite an energetic person and I hate being ill. I, I just hate being ill. I don't think, you know, Ben, when he's ill about two series early, he has the flu. He's a proper. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a terrible. He's, a, he's got man flu. He's like, <laughs> oh, I think I'm dying. But I'm one of those people where when I'm ill, I stop. Unless there's things I need to do, I generally try and just get better because I want to be better yeah. as quickly as possible. So, you know, if obviously, obviously if I'm really, really ill, I'll, I'll not go to work or something but I, I rarely rarely get ill to be honest but I will just do as little as I can just to get better as quickly as possible yeah but the worst thing to do is stress that is literally the worst thing to do and the fact that Bill's doing just that you know she's hearing the drilling noises and you know Ben takes a mug and and it's the anxiety isn't it of not knowing when everybody else does know what's going on that's I think that's the thing we've all been there when we think everybody else is privy to something, but we're not. And it gives you anxiety. And I think she's starting to get a bit like, you know, I want to know what's going on. You know, Absolutely. with all the noises. And plus, she's the one who keeps the house going. So the fact that she's ill and she's not doing things and later on she finds the house is a tip, you know, she's just not yeah. going to... They're the last people in the world to, to manage yes. without, without her. Well, I think she thinks they can't cope without her, which is which is... Fairly true, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and she says, um, you know, she asks Dave why if David didn't see the van, if Christine dropped him off. And Ben mentions he had to collect something. Oh, yeah. the room. And when, Did you notice when he left the room, he kind of kicked the door? I don't know whether you noticed that. I didn't know whether there's a bit of a blooper. You watch it again. Yeah. He kind of backs it out of the room, but kicks the door. And it looks a bit like it might have been a blooper, but they maybe decided to leave it in. Ooh, I'll, I not noticed that, but I'll I'll, I'll read yeah. that and, and and let you know. Bill goes out onto the landing and she sees a. a I like the little bit when she sees a hanging frame on the wall and and then puts it straight. And that's just an example of the fact that you know things aren't normal. Yeah. And she hears a conversation downstairs. Actually, that conversation sounds as 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 far away as when the kids were on the landing right outside. The door, <laughs> even though it's much, even though the downstairs is actually a lot further away, it's a very similar to volume. On the picture, do you think we're supposed to think that the picture was the thing that was broken? I did wonder because she does that possibly, yeah, yeah, to lead us possibly. into like, oh, that's what they broke, but actually, obviously, yeah, which is what you're coming to, absolutely. So, Ben, Jenny, she hears Jenny say that Ben has to tell her, and Bill sort of it's that thing if you're trying to listen to a conversation. When you're upstairs, you kind of hold on to the banister for dear life. And then when she just sort of goes forward and it's broken, that's what's happened. So we learn yeah. that the, the broken thing is the banister. So she ben, did that well, didn't she? It was really good. It was, it was really good because actually um, I thought it looked like wood. I mean, I, I assume it was wood that they used or would it be Probably. some set thing? I, I, I'm, I'm only asking you because you're the TV 
<laughs> I've never worked it's funny I've never worked a TV drama so it's only I mean when we've got flats you know they tend to be made out of wood or anything I guess there is always health and safety like if it splinters you know but obviously that was pre-broken but um but no I just thought it was good because she didn't preempt it either you know no. you, kind of you didn't know it was going to happen you know sometimes because people know it's going to happen in the script they might kind of you know be a bit reticent but she didn't feel reticent at all so I thought it was amazing really yeah, good she's yeah she's she's brilliant she just she plays those little moments very well and so Ben enters again and she says that she can't relax and he suggests you know doing things like watch the telly and then she says oh and that's another thing whatever is Captain Birdseye doing on that boat with all those children wow that was like I, I, it's yeah. funny I remember laughing I remember it's one of those jokes I remember when I was younger and then I watched it and I was like oh that is a dodgy joke it because it's, the implications are very dark. yeah really dark yeah and, and I, Captain Birdseye as a kid I remember it was a really popular ad you were kind of waiting for it to come on yeah and the guy who did it I think I think they've gone through a few he was it for like 30 years or something yeah the original one to be honest, I remember Captain Birdseye as well. Yeah, it, uh, it, it was on for donkey's years, so, you know. I mean, if you um, eat food, <laughs> you know well, Captain yeah. Birdseye. You can still buy the fish fingers now, can't you? Yeah, you can. Oh, it's, yeah. it's Iceland. And okay. It's interesting because it's a it's an implication of, you know, paedophilia, and, and it's, a, it's quite a dark joke for a family sitcom. It's something the kids, the children wouldn't understand it, but the parents, it's quite a... Yeah. Comical line. Well, Especially I suppose, what's come out since. Well, quite. But I mean, I suppose what he's good at is he's not kind of planting, he's just planting a seed, isn't he? To say, when you watch that with a, maybe with a, rather than just being a passive viewer, maybe when you watch that and critique it, you go, why were they, why was it just Captain Birdseye and a load of children? So it's kind of not saying specifically what it was, but I think he's very good at highlighting something, some kind of, thing that we all take for granted you go, when you drill into it you go oh yeah that is a bit weird you know that's yeah. why I think his writing is really clever it's a bit like a few years ago someone mentioned how not weird but how unusual it was that Morecambe and Wise used to share a bed together <laughs> yeah considering it was the 70s and they yeah. weren't a couple but they shared a bed it's just a bit like oh yeah it's something when you watch it with a different eye it is. It's totally. I think it's totally that, and I, and I think I don't think he was intending to say. I think Andrew was intending to say um, there was anything wrong with it, but it was kind of saying, why was it just Captain Birdseye and a load of children on the yeah. boat? Yeah, and you could go, yeah, that is a good point. Well, I tell you what it is. It's losing your innocence. It's when you get older and you just and you know what the world Maybe. can be like. That you just see everything. You just sort of view everything differently. Yeah, that's true. The assumptions are different, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then Ben suggests watching Anne and Nick. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Bill says I'm ill, not brain dead. Now, funnily, Nick and it's Nick Owen and Anne Diamond who yes. was the host of the Breakfast Show. Now, do you know I really like Anne Diamond? She's been on telly a bit over the last couple of years. She goes on uh, Matthew, well, it's not Matthew Wright's show now on Channel Five. It's Jeremy Vine. Uh, oh, the Jeremy right, Vine, what was the right stuff? Yes, she used to yeah. at one point when I was because when I was younger, she would do it in the summer when he was off. And she was very good, and she'd come on TV on various things. And I actually think she was really good back in the day. Yeah, no, I mean, they were the king and queen of Breakfast Telly. You know, they were the gods for years. 
and then yeah, I don't know what I don't know what when they stopped whether it was this morning that came out, you know, with Judy Richard and Judy. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, when again when I started at the BBC in Birmingham, Nick Nick Owen was then then moved to Midlands today. So oh, I used yeah. to see him in the canteen or the crush bar, which is where like where you get your tea from. So I passed Nick Owen, and I I did I always remember that line about uh, Anna Nick. So it's quite funny, you know, whenever I saw him, you know, like things spark off memories about stuff. So whenever I'm seeing Nick in the canteen, not to talk to, him, but just passing to seeing that that line yeah he's, so off, he's off the telly yeah um, he was in two more children. <laughs> and also what i do like with two point Jones, whenever there's a reference to something that is of the time even if you know the people now i like to think what would be the modern equivalent so as a yeah. collins in, as because obviously my ancestors created the dictionary many many generations oh, ago yes i've right. got a new definition for brain dead and it's two okay. words love island <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm not a love island fan unfortunately everybody at work seems to be a love island fan and we had a whatsapp group that, well we still have the whatsapp group for all of us for yeah. the team but I, ha- I have notifications turned off because when love island was on maybe the first or second series it would literally go ping 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 ping, ping. i'm like i don't watch this no. it doesn't it's not my cup of tea but you know a lot of people do love it so last night like, 2.1 million people watched it at nine o'clock and that was more watched than ITV and BBC One combined, apparently. Really? Yeah. But you know what you're saying about the water cooler and people? um, Yeah. uh, When I started my job in 2019, if you, it was around the same time of the final season of Game of Thrones, that year's Love Island and the Avengers Endgame out in the cinema. And if you hadn't seen any of those three TV show and films, you were out of every conversation. So I was out of every conversation. (laughs) I'm just about to say, I was out of every conversation because I, didn't really get Game of Thrones either, and I didn't see. Oh no, actually, maybe I did see Avengers, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. So one out of three, you know, I'm I was a third in and two thirds out. Yeah, and I'm just like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 for me, but um, yeah, Bill doesn't. I think Bill would have a lot of to say about the violence. Oh yes, yeah. And Bill doesn't believe Ben when he says nothing's happening. And then he eventually comes in with a basket from the landing and puts it on the bed. And, and I love her, her response of, well, I couldn't eat breakfast, so I'll hardly a chicken in a basket. That's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, yeah. is, it just, is it still a thing? Because I remember having it and in my head, chicken in a basket always tasted amazing. And I don't, I have no idea why, but it, do people still have it? I'm going to share my age now when I say, is that an actual chicken? Like a live chicken that oh. you would eventually kill, or was no. it like a, like meat, like meat, an actual raw chicken in a basket? No, it was cooked chicken and chips in a basket. Oh, do you know what? Yes, I, I've bought. It's like in a in a basket that's um, not like a life size basket, like the no. one that they've got, but like um, you know, like a plastic looking basket. Red, yeah, it's like a red basket, like um just like a normal basket you'll place some things in to move around yeah. but not without a lid and then maybe like a, a piece of paper or something that's exactly it is that yeah yeah. yeah um you can get it like kfc in sometimes i mean obviously kfc has like it in tubs but there was some i can't remember where it was now there's a there's a restaurant that does that um where you have like chicken strips and yeah. fries and maybe sauce barbecue sauce or something <laughs> I mean, it was. I think it was more of a pub thing, you know, like you would go to a pub and you could have fish and chips in a basket or you could have chicken and chips in a basket. And it was a big thing. Yeah. But I think it was more like half a chicken, you know, cooked or called a chicken, whatever, and then chip chop kind of chips. It was it was very nice, but I've not seen it in a pub for ever. It's so. something I think is more specialist now. 
as in as in yeah, certain it, certain places do it but i've not seen yeah. it very often um i like the, i like the sound of it though it sounds more <laughs> sounds more um more enjoyable just yeah it was it genuinely was i promise anybody listening if you see it on a menu give it a try i spoke to one i guess who said he remembers green ketchup do you remember that oh now you've mentioned it i think i think heinz did do it for a while as an experiment but i can't remember what it tasted like whether it was i think oh no actually i think it was exactly the same but just with green food coloring I'm glad it's not here. <laughs> I was, yeah, I don't think because I think green is not a color that kids like, is it? Really, you know, if you think green vegetables, a lot of kids don't like them. Yeah. So I think it didn't last long. I seem I seem to remember them doing, but I can't remember the reason why they did it. I remember when I was about nine, I had a ca- an advent calendar for Christmas for December. It was a Shrek two calendar, mm. and every other day was a green chocolate. But it tasted, it probably tasted the same, but because you associate green with puke and like horrible things, Bill's phlegm, let's put it like going back to the episode for the, the phlegm, yeah, just it's not a nice taste really. No, I, I mean, I like green in general, you know, like I've got some I, green foods and stuff, but I think food wise, yeah, it's not necessarily deemed something appetizing. So I can see why it didn't maybe except, last. Except for vegetables. Green, eat, yeah, your, green, eat, vegetables. eat your greens, kids. Broccoli, oh, yeah. peas, lettuce, cabbage, cabbage, and so the, we learn it's the Grimes's cat. And um, yes. Bill reads the note that, despite my reservations, Leonard has persuaded me to entrust you with the care of Snowdrop while we are circumperennulating over Lake Lucem. And Ben says, "Why can't she just walk around like everyone else?" <laughs> and I, I love that word. Circumperennulating is an um, amazing word. I mean, when I when I wrote it down now, I had to put a dash between circum and perennulating just so I could be able to pronounce it properly. <laughs> it's the longest word in the world. <laughs> and excuse my terrible impression of Mrs. Grimes. Oh, it's very good, especially of Leonard. Leonard and I. Leonard, exactly like that. It's Thank true. you. Make sure she always, written several times in red, remains inside your house until we return and to avoid the likes of such unfortunate circumstances we, which we care, scareless, scarcely need to mention. So Ben has said he's done it to prove that they're sa- that the animal will be safe with them. That is the most stupid thing in the world to do. If something's happened, like Bill mentions, previously, you yeah. know, the dog, <laughs> goldfish, and we now learn there was a gerbil. Yeah. There seems to be, oh, it seems to be everyone who has a gerbil kill get just kill have it killed by mistake in the house. It does, they seem to be very easy can- animals to kill. Yeah, I suppose they're quite small. If they escape, you can because uh, she says it goes up the Hoover at uh, the Batten Clinic, doesn't she? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine why. Um, but interestingly, I look probably around this time, I I think it was one of my mum's friends. Um, she got me a job somewhere, like a part-time job. And then they went on holiday through. So she said, Will you not look after the cats, but will you go around and feed them? And I was like, Yeah, of course. And she said, You can leave the small windows in the conservatory open, right? So bear in mind they go for three weeks. Day two, no cats. Sorry, day three, no cats. Like, where's the cats one of the neighbors came around found them both dead in the road after three days and they were like siamese you know like quite expensive cats so i was like mortified thinking oh my god i've killed the cats it, you know i didn't do anything wrong but you yeah. kind of and then when when this lady came back from holiday she bought me a t-shirt and something else and then came in and she was laughing saying you killed my cat <laughs> oh. <laughs> i kind of felt like i'm sure it was after this had happened i was kind of feel like oh my god so, yeah, I have experience in this area, even though 
I don't feel like I've particularly done anything wrong, but I don't think I'm very lucky when it comes to looking after other people's pets. Yeah, I think you definitely take a leaf out of the porters yeah. books on this one. And and Bill, when she when um, I love it when she says, "They're not safe with us. Nothing safe with us." We might as well have a big sign up, Bill and Ben Porter Pet Cemetery by appointment to Stephen King. That was the reference I mentioned earlier. Pet Cemetery was a book, turned into a film in the late 80s, was remade two or three years ago. Three years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Which was, so it's a very popular, you know, there's been a bit of a renaissance of Stephen King's classic work last couple of years, more films of his. And And bless the man, he's 74 and he's still writing. About, I didn't know. Yeah, wow. Hundred books a year, it seems like he just keeps going. Yeah, he just churn them out, doesn't he? It's amazing. But that, I think most people would know that, like you say, because of the remake. Most people know that reference now as well. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's, it's amazing how. Things... Oh yeah, it's a very dark. It's a grim story. Really and, grim. And uh, I would love to um, to see a poster for Bill and Ben Pet Cemetery. By yeah, you Stephen see... King. You can see someone photoshopping that up, no problem nowadays. Oh, that'd be great fun. I might, I might consider doing like that. Go on, do it. <laughs> yes. So the dog was put down, the goldfish, the gerbil went up, the vacuum. Ben promises not to let anything go wrong and he gives her a kiss. And I love the way he just wipes his mouth. Like, Ooh. you know, he just yeah. you know, thinks that's going to... Oh, hand sanitizer. That might be like, you know, oh, yeah. hand sanitizer over his mouth or something. Oh. No, no, it's disgusting. And then he says, you know, you worry too much. And he picks up the basket, turns around, and the back of it has a massive hole. <laughs> and, and it's not the door that's open, it's the back where the cat should be safe. Right as he says that, they hear a loud noise, and then we learn that Jenny's got it, and, he's, and it's on yeah, her lap. Safe. Bill dials the phone, there's no answer, so she picks up the, tel- the telescope and gets on her knees while she's on the bed. And it's a great shot of the point of view of the lens, like you see in the rear window. Yeah. Um, hovers over Ren- Rona's bedroom, and it, it, it this is a great moment of silent comedy that has yeah. there's no dialogue. And Tony's just opened the window; he's got no shirt on, clearly knackered. She's pro- Rona's been, you know, getting him to do it nonstop for hours, <laughs> and then at one point she just pulls him away. She goes, "No, no, no!" And he's like, "Oh no!" You know, and there's you, I love the audience reaction, the studio audience reaction, because it's not canned. It's like, oh, no. they, they know. They're just they're laughing, laughing naturally yeah. at the moment that I funny. Without any words, like you say, they know. I think because they've well, they know Rona by this stage because it's series um, four, isn't it? Yeah. But they kind of know what she's about, so they get they're in on the gag. I was going to say though, did is that the first time we've seen someone inside that house? No, we've um, we've seen we've we've uh... actually inside though. You know, with in the windows. Oh, in the windows. Um, I. Yeah, possibly on Rona's side. We've been in the yeah. house a few times, but not um, on the, in, the, the window. The window. Yeah, it's yeah. Quite, kind of unusual. And one thing I was going to say is, did you notice as well when the when she, you know, the when Bill picks up the telescope? I love the point of view shot because she's obviously looking out the corner of her eyes, if to say, I'm not, I don't want to pick the telescope, but I don't, shouldn't be doing it, but I will. Yeah. And all the props, you know, there's a half-eaten packet of tunes, which you know everybody knows. There's messy bedside tissues, there's great design. You know, it's, the prop people on this were really, really good. The detail in it, it's kind of messy, like it would be if you were ill. You know, it's really I've good. always found that with the show. It feels like there's a lot of um, realism to the house. Yeah. Um, a lot of other sitcoms, it always looks like a show home in a magazine. Everything, yeah. there's nothing, there's no details. There's, there's character. Yeah. There's a lot about the people, of the characters. 
Um, I always love the Batman toy and the Scooby-Doo toy on the downstairs. Oh, yeah. Is that next to the stereo? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I just love, I love those details. Really good. Really good. And so when she's looking at at Rona pulling Tony away, she just says, oh, she's going to kill that man. (laughs) And so Jenny enters while Bill's holding the telescope. And I love um, Bill's comment about why she got the telescope. Oh, I'm just seeing if Rona's up. I'm like, with a telescope. (laughs) It's just a bit weird. If I I found someone doing that, I'd be like, stop spying, it's rude. Yeah, you'd be a bit bit more embarrassed than that, I think, wouldn't you? Someone caught you. Definitely. So Bill's making a shopping list and Jenny's waiting for a phone call. Clive, we learned there's no floor in the kitchen. Um, and then there's a bit nice bit of moment where she says, you know, I did, we didn't want you to worry. And then Bill admits to knowing about the, the banister. And yeah. it, it was a moment, you know, when Jenny's just like a bit scared that she's going to get screwed out. She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an accident. And Bill's like, I know, I don't mind. I like knowing about everything <laughs> yeah. understand it's, a, it's yeah. a real like don't mess with me look but you know what? it's one of those as well I think I think you have this when you're a kid as well you feel like everything you do is kind of wrong and naughty yeah. if you if you make if something happens you know accidents happen and then you think you're gonna get told off and then sometimes you don't you know, you know if it's not if it's an accident if it's not you've not done anything totally bad it obviously depends on the parent as well but I think sometimes parents realize you know things happen and it doesn't always do much good shouting at someone things happen and yeah, I like that about Bill. yeah well it's kind of good morals isn't it like rather than hide it just tell me and if it's more serious than that because that's not that serious but if it was they can deal with it and she can help them out that's the kind of messaging isn't it yeah you know rather than don't tell me yeah absolutely and 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 but then giving her that message of you know I like to know everything She's yeah. just kind of, she is, you know, she is instilling some fear into her. Yeah. Which is actually more scary than shouting at someone. The glare is more frightening than being shouted at. Oh, the glare is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to steal that glare. <laughs> now, I've watched it a few times. I'm yeah. definitely feeling it. And Jenny says she'll get David to go shopping. Um, sure, 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 he won't mind. And then when she goes, David, you have to go shopping. Oh, God, she's going to be ill forever. Such a good line, isn't it? And they, and she can still hear them, you know. Yeah. Like they're right outside the door, and they think she can't hear. Yeah, hilarious. Just goes to show how much they do take advantage of her. Yeah, yeah. So Ben walks to the front door, and Jenny says that she can't find the cat. So Ben turns around, and he sees the cat jump on a roof rack, and it drives off. So then Ben gets in the car and drives off, and that yes. just starts an absolute nightmare of, of physical comedy. So Bill shouts for Jenny, "What's going on?" And Jenny sneaks into her bedroom with the phone. And then we go back to this moment with Ben and the cat. And, and this is, I think, a really good example of Gary Olsen's clowning. Because obviously, you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's quite tall, yeah. he's quite broad. But he's got a way with movement and yes. energy when he's running. And the physical comedy is, is really amazing. So he's driving down the roads. Um, that darn cat famous song is playing in the background yeah it stops the traffic ben gets out the car and just as it's the car and with the cat on the top is driving off he just runs back and the way he does it is just so serious but really funny yeah he's great at all that isn't he like you say the physical and the it's all believable like he's really wants to get this cat back at all costs but the cat is winning in every single time it reminds me of in the series six you know when he wants to join the brotherhood the brotherhood of the plungers and he has to do the initiation he has to do some make a scene of himself (laughs) on the high street 
What I love yeah. about that is it's obviously really silly and he's just yeah. playing up to this this kind of childish cult that he wants to join. Yeah. But in this moment, it's so simple. He's just trying to get a cat back. And mm. he's just every think he does every move every facial expression isn't forced no it's hysterically funny like the way he runs back to the car i just find incredibly funny because it's just a great visual of the car moving away and he's yeah. just running back yeah it's brilliant absolutely brilliant i love it he goes to the pulls up on the high street by a large van and the cat turns from and sees a, a tray of fish and jump fish. on it now i would not want i would not want to eat the fish now if the cat's been no. on and it, it feels like it would have taken a long time to get him to do that. It was all very well choreographed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and really part sequence. It, it was it, the cat is very well trained in this because you know he's he's kind really? of going from a roof rack to the to a tray being moved around, having to jump off, going on a bus. So he goes on a yeah. bus, and he gets nearly run over. And and also I noticed something that happens in Two Point Four Children. Whenever they have a moment where the family, if it's either one of them or together, show making a scene of themselves in public, there's always crowds or someone around looking at them and, and just looking a bit like what's going on. Because there's a bit out crowd of people are staring at Ben when the cat's kind of running around. Yeah. yeah. And I like that because it really emphasizes that they're not normal. No, anyway. it's a spectacle. They yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So back to Bill in the bedroom and she's reading Hello magazine, which I can't imagine at any other time apart from her being ill. No. Well, I was going to say, I've only ever read Hello magazine in a doctor's surgery or a dentist waiting room. You know, when you're waiting at, for, well, previously I've waited a long time for an appointment, you know, when you're there yeah. and you kind of look at the magazines in the rack or whatever. And it's always an old copy. It's, like, it's not an up-to-date one. But I was like, why do people buy this? Because it's literally pictures of celebrities doing something, wedding or whatever it is, but it's kind of not my thing. And I don't think it's Bill's thing, to be honest. Oh, no. I mean, the way she, she the, the, I think the first one she reads about an actor and the house and, and the way it's written is, is real. So she's saying, Jane Asher's gracious townhouse, style and elegance in the Hest of Holland Park for actress stroke supercook. Now, the next two she references is obviously Bill being sarcastic. I yeah. did not know this next person. And I generally can type up on Google, try and get the spelling right. But this was really difficult. Now, Alusha Hempori. I was saying Anushka Hempel. Anushka Hempel. Who's that? Yeah. Do you know who that is? Well, I don't remember her that much. I know she was, I think she was from New Zealand and I'm pretty sure she did interior design, but that's, and a model, but that's all I know. I don't remember her being on, you know, like some models that are, I don't know what shows they're on, but I remember seeing her, but I don't remember what TV shows she was associated with. Okay. So she might just be a kind of it girl that then became, you know, an interior designer. But I knew the name, and I, yeah. you know, but I, she's not as well known as like Jane Asher. I knew she was in lots of things. And then obviously she had a massive cake baking career. Kind of thing. Yeah, I know Jane Asher from The Old Guys. That was, oh, that was Roger Lloyd Pack and Clive Swift sitcom. For about 10 oh, years ago okay yeah i think she was the neighbor that they fancied ah okay interesting and so bill saying anushka hempery home Hem in ox hempo <laughs> home in oxfordshire chic meets courtney style charisma and class for actress stroke designer dr joseph mengel cottage in hampstead 
It's chintz, china, and horrific surgical implements all the way for happy-go-lucky actress stroke Nazi war criminal. <laughs> now, Joseph Mengel, I uh, found out, was the worst Nazi, the, like, literally the most evil yeah. Nazi in the Holocaust. He was known as the Angel of Death. I do know. I don't know his name, if I'm honest. I think I've seen him. Have you ever seen the show American Horror Story? It's American. Oh, one or two episodes. There's a series with a guy in a, it's a set in an asylum and you find out he was a, a war criminal who's right. now working in an American asylum. And he, I think, apparently is based upon Joseph Mengel. I th- oh, really? I think Netflix is due to make a two-story crime documentary series about him, to be honest, if, if there isn't one already, because he sounded... Right. Yeah. I and it's just... The way Bill just talks about it is just really funny. And, and I noticed, I looked on the Hello magazine and, and there's actually a bit about um, Kenny Everett. Oh, really? Because at the time he was had AIDS at the time, and it was about six months later he died. And I think there's a bit on the on the front cover about him. So I think it must be like a, a fairly recent Hello magazine. So, so Doctor Joseph was actually in Hello magazine. I don't think he was. No, 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 no. I don't. No, I think that I think oh, that last crazy. one was just Bill being. Is it me or you? Hello. Oh, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I think Bill was just being kind of sarcastic about, uh, yeah, yeah, about Joseph Mengel. But I think um, on the front was Kenny Everett. Um, so it might have been, uh, we're just talking about his his illness. And then... It wasn't, because yeah, now you kind of think, would they would they do a made-up cover now rather than use a real magazine? I do think, you know, sometimes Possibly. props are made with made-up covers, but you're probably right, that probably was a genuine copy. Yeah. I'm surprised even with the um, product placement and the Hello Mag logo, they were using it. They use yeah. natural hello. You think they would probably use something else? Yeah, yeah. Or a fictional magazine? Yeah, because of product placement, and you know, it is a genuine commercial magazine, isn't it? So then Bill looks at and goes, and then she puts herself in the magazine. Bill Porter's bedroom in Chiswick, dirty teacups and snotty <laughs> tissues for washed-out wife. <laughs> just, just, just how she feels about herself in that moment. Yeah. It, reading yeah. about all these glamorous people, except for Joseph Bengal, and and feeling like she's not very glamorous herself because being ill is horrible. Well, it's like holding the, the magazines like holding a mirror up to yourself, isn't it? Going, well, that's their life. My life's like this at the moment, you know, and yeah. it's not great for her at the moment. So, yeah, understandable. So she, so she looks through the telescope again. And again, from the point of view, we see Rona outside the window, the postman at the door, and then yeah. <laughs> walking past is a man yeah. looks like Alfred Hitchcock, which is brilliant. such a brilliant Easter egg, isn't it? Because yeah. anyone who knows Hitchcock films, yeah. he would always make a cameo appearance. Yeah. And he became so, so well known because of his Alfred Hitchcock Presents series that he and he's such a everyone knows how he looks. He's as iconic yeah, as his film, isn't it? Yeah. So he's like a small man, for smallish man. Yeah. He's bald. He's quite big. Bit of a belly as well as quite broad. Always a suit. Yeah. And, and the way he just walks and looks past. I mean, it's a pretty dead ringer for Alfred Hitchcock. And yeah. really good. I thought that was those little touches just made that that bit clever. I just you know. Yeah. It, the reference point to the viewer, I think, is really, really clever. And going back to the studio audience, they're laughing as they yeah. see and They're like, oh, yes, we know what you're doing here. Yeah. Which I, I, I love that when you know the audience are clicking on to what's, what's yeah. being done. It's like we're all sharing the same experience, isn't it? And all enjoying it together. Yeah. When they laugh louder, you, you say you get swept up with that as well. Definitely. I love Rona's dressing, dressing gown. It's so colourful. <laughs> it's very Rona. Oh, it? yeah, it is. She's a very colourful character herself, personality. So Bill picks up the phone and Jenny and Clive are in the middle of a conversation. Now, this is back yeah. in the day of home 
landlines where you could, if you share the wine connection in a different house, you could literally listen into anyone's conversation. And I like the way she she smiles when he says, "I miss." They say they miss each other. Yeah, she's almost like, "Oh, they're oh, cute sweet. teenagers in love." It's not going to last. Try <laughs> thinking a cynical way of thinking, like most of us become. So Clive mentions his parents going out and suggests that they, you know, Jenny's not sure. And he mentions, you know, you enjoyed it last. I know you enjoyed it last time. Bill just goes, <gasps> she just yeah. gasps because she knows what, I see, what he's referring to. She puts the phone down and pretends to be asleep when Jenny checks in on her. Then we go back to the, the streets and Ben struggles as he runs. He's really looked like tired now as he's running yeah. to the bus. The cat, the cat gets off the bus just like normal. Oh, I've done it's the that. best way. It's like, isn't it? It's like the VIP bus almost, the way the cat walks off. I yeah. just think they... I don't know how many times they took to do those shots, but I thought that was brilliant. Said a lot. Definitely. It's got like personality, a little cheeky personality. Jumps hold the court. Yeah, definitely. And jumps into the front front garden. A man uses what was the man using? It's not like a it's a I think it's a leaf blower or a you know stocks leaves up to you know, so you don't have to rake them or whatever. I think it's one of them. That's that yeah, I think you're right. I mean, as anyone may know, I'm not a garden person. (laughs) No, not at all. I've just got one, so I'm learning, but I don't have a leaf blower. I like don't have a leaf blower. No, I would like, I might get one after re-watching this. After watching that one. And it sounds like um, it can get rid of anything, including a teddy bear, because it, Ben hears something yeah. go into it, like a real vroom, and he finds that it's, you know, he grabs the bag out and it's a teddy bear. And I love the man when he says, hey, little snowdrops, fine, see? <laughs> just like, you're thinking that a teddy bear that's just been there randomly is this snowdrop? I mean, he's just a weird man. Some weird people I mean, in the world. I think he was trying to be nice to Ben. I think, I think it, he obviously thought Ben was a bit kind of, oh, he's after a teddy bear. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has no context about the cat, does he? No. So I think he was trying to be nice, but it comes across as, why is he doing this? You know? Yes. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. that's a good way. That's a that's a good theory about that because I think people realise where people like Ben who just have these weird situations just just play along and it'll be over yeah, quicker. That's what it is, isn't it? And it's kind of like I mean, I remember watching the first and thinking, what was socked up? Because like, you obviously are supposed to assume it's the cat, but then you kind of know it's obviously not the cat. But what was it? And it's like, why is there a teddy bear garden? That's the bit I was like, yeah, slightly, yeah, um, coincidental, you know, yeah. convenience. But anyway. And so the cat runs off and jumps in a bin that's been picked up by a bin man and then it's on the back of a skip. So <laughs> Ben runs off for that. So back to the bedroom, Bill rings Rona while looking through the telescope. And this time Rona's sort of looking out the curtains much more suspiciously. She finally gets through to her and Rona says that Tony's not there, he's gone away, she's been alone all morning and then agrees to pop over later on. But she needs to get something out of the way first. So it's building up this suspense yeah. that something is is going on at her house and i love when jenny finally appears with the tea poor bill's been waiting oh for ages for this tea and <laughs> it just startles bill and bill just screams it's like a horror film she's so startled by it it's the, isn't that the best reaction i i laugh at that every single time i see it it's it's again it's not preempted it's like genuinely like she's jumping you know jumped to a horror film or whatever it might be i thought it's absolutely perfect it's not sitcom acting it's no. real. It's genuine. Yeah. And that's why I love it. I've, I've read about Belinda Lang's approach to comedy acting. She likes to play it very real, realistic. And that's why I read an interview from, I think, the Rage of Times when it first started in 91. Mm-hmm. And she said that she didn't like a lot of modern sitcoms then because she didn't believe them. Oh, really? And so they play them seriously. So she put all her efforts into making it as real as possible, I guess. And I think that's what makes it work. Yeah, I agree. 
So I love this scene between Bill and Jenny. It's a very heartfelt moment yeah. between them because they're not a particularly close mother and daughter all the time, but it's no. nice. And especially in the previous episodes, you see that Jenny's getting closer to Laura Clive's mother. Yeah. And Jenny's quite, and Bill, sorry, is very jealous about that. So it's like, yeah. she says she wants to go shopping with Jenny, but Jenny's like, no, you wouldn't want to know what I think about your clothes. That's right. But then actually she does still talk. I mean, obviously I don't think she could talk to Clive's more about this particular subject because no. of him, but it's nice that she felt able to, nice she felt able to go to Bill and not Rona. Yeah, I thought that. I thought, gosh, this is quite an open conversation. She's not like, she obviously thinks Bill is modern and trendy enough to be able to talk about it and not worry that she's going to go ballistic. Well, that's the thing because, you know, she she so she tells Bill that, Clive and Jane only had sex, but stopped just at the opening bits. And I love <laughs> the <opening> bits. <laughs> a guy. There's a guy in the audience that yeah, I always love. In, you can tell when you can tell a real studio audience when there's not canned laughter, when you can just hear someone's genuine laugh. Yeah. So you hear laughter, but then someone goes, <laughs> just like someone, yeah. it's, t- it's genuinely tickled one person. You can hear them in the audience specifically. Yeah, so she confides in Bill that she's conflicted with her emotions. She kind of doesn't feel ready, but doesn't want to disappoint him. And it's the way that Bill just doesn't quite react initially. And, you know, in the term, she's not quite shocked by it. And then Jenny almost wants that reaction. She's, you know, mum, I told you I'm going to have sex with my boyfriend. Yeah. And then Bill's just like, well, what do, you ex- what do you expect me to say? That I forbid you to see him again? You know, that will that will let you off everyone off the hook, but only for this time. It's I think it's nice to see a sitcom character parent who's not overreacting about sex with yeah. their children. Because some a lot of other sitcoms, especially when it comes to daughters, mm. very overprotective yes. about their kids growing up. Not about things that are serious and wrong, but just about the kids growing up and growing and maturing. Interesting. And, and actually you, you think if someone is more kind of you I forbid you to do that, they're probably going to go and do it anyway or even more so to get back at their parents so I think by she's clever by kind of doing it that way it's kind of Jenny's own decision yeah that's the thing or not with the, past the opening bits <laughs> I mean and, the, and I love the way that Jen's oh I know I have to think about contraceptives and stuff I'm just like well you're very responsible very yeah it's good to hear and she probably something that she thought that's probably the one thing I need to say yeah in, to Bill because you know you don't the one thing is your parent might agree you to do something but you still don't want them to pet to parent you and say but make sure this is that and the other you exactly. want to know that you're independent and growing up yeah so i because i think bill is someone who is a very fun mother but she's i wouldn't call a liberal in a sort of shoulder shrugging way she's not like oh well do what you want but she's just she she's probably from the era of like the 60s and 70s when teenagers were a bit more crazy she probably yeah. knows what they get up to she's like well they're just going to do what we did yeah she's definitely not a, an uber strict mother but likewise like you're saying she cares enough to not let them do what they like yeah and, and yeah house. but like you say she feels like she's very liberal you know if she was a mother now I think she would definitely be for you know a lot of the um uh kind of diversity and inclusion yeah. you know she would be very for that I think if she was around now absolutely and a lot more about the the sort of way things discussions have changed about teenagers and stuff like yeah the the, you know, the easier access to pornography which would have been very different yeah 2000s and the 90s yeah she she would she would and think it was damaging so i think she'd she play, had she'd thatcher though wouldn't she oh she would yeah <laughs> even though it probably wasn't thatcher's fault it was probably <laughs> she probably blamed mary whitehouse <laughs> 
Yes. Considering Mary Whitehouse, oh gosh, she failed, didn't she? When you look back yeah. at that, she just failed. So it's, but it's a lovely moment because it's nice to see the two characters not fight for once, especially with the way they were in the first two series. Bear in mind, she's Jenny's, obviously, we know that she's had a, a battle with bulimia previously. Yes. And she spoke to Rona about that first. But then I think because she did speak to Bill and Bill was supportive, maybe that was a moment of change for them that she knew she yes a trust between them yeah i think you're right and i love the way bill's just like you know it isn't compulsory and (laughs) thanks and then says you know if he if he loves you he'll understand yeah and if he doesn't and and i and it's like but i'm sure he does love you it's just like it's that encouragement it's like that reality check but also encouragement yeah i thought it was perfect actually and not over sentimental as well because It's, 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 I think it's actually quite, um, I think that could have helped a lot of parents and children have more open conversations about certain yeah. topics. Because as you say, it's better to talk about things than, mm-hmm. than not talk about them or being told forbidden because kids are going to do what they're going to do. That's the reality. Yeah. It's but, very true. But then it ends with a brilliant, brilliant bit of comedy when Bill's yeah. just like, you know, and just for future reference, it's better to, to, to say no straight away. Men are like steam engines. Once they get a heads up, it's very difficult to stop them from going somewhere. <laughs> That's a great gag. And the whole studio audience are really with that one. Yes. And, and then she says, thank you for trusting me. So it's, but that's the thing about this show. You can go from dark and, 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 yeah. and serious, but, 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 but sweet. And then yeah. go back to a real punchy, brilliant comedy. Yeah. But also the, the fact that then Jenny takes that another punchline kind of, doesn't she? And she says, you know, well, I thought as you heard it all on the phone, it was the best thing. Yeah. And I, do you notice when Bill starts coughing and she's just smiling like, yeah. oh, I was caught, I was caught, out, caught anyway. out. Yeah. So she grabs the telescope and returns to the view of the um, telescope again. So Roan is now pulling something out of the front door that does look like a body in a black bag. <laughs> it looks exactly like a body in a black bag. And so dries brilliant. off. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just like, it's really building up this rear window. Yeah world you know what i love though it looked heavy i don't know about you but i hate it now when actors get empty coffee cups or empty Mm. suitcases because you can tell they've not got anything in them and it's like that realism thing again you know with drama and it puts me off and i know i work in tv but i don't work in scripted so like what i'm trying you know i enjoy escapism like anybody else but when someone's got an empty coffee cup you're like well they're not there's nothing in it yes you know it's annoying whereas i think that genuinely looked like a heavy body to me that she was pulling yeah, and she and she does look like she's struggling, and then to get yeah. in the boot and everything. I, I'll tell you something I always remember. Um, did you ever watch Prime Suspect? Yes, loved it with Helen Mirren. So yeah. good. I watched that about five years ago. And it, yeah, I think you know when I watched it, it was like tw- twenty five years anniversary, and I loved it. I thought it holds up well. I watched. Yeah. I, I love Linda Plant as well. I listened to an interview yeah. with her, and she right. mentioned in the very first Prime Suspect. Obviously, it's a mat, It's a w- group of women who emerged and. What yeah. she did, she as an audition for the actor to play the killer, what she asked him to do was pick up a body bag, a size, you know, the, the sort of the weight of a woman and, and put it on his back. And the person, the actor who obviously could read the part well, but if they could put it on their back and, and manage, they got the part because then they you realistically could imagine they could pick up a dead body and put it over their shoulder. And oh. I've always remembered that when I watch TV now, as you say, you can tell when it's not, it's acting. They're holding something that's light and yeah. they're acting like something's heavy and it's obvious when it's genuine. Yeah. It, I it love that. Takes you out of the, it takes you out of the scene because you're like, 
if you know you, you want to be drawn in and enjoy the story but then as soon as something like that i think it throws well, certainly me it throws me out because i'm like well that's not realistic you know absolutely i, I like i think the, the more i think method acting to an extent yeah <laughs> you don't want to go full daniel day lewis but you no. kind of want to <laughs> right okay <laughs> but you want to do but you want it to be believable so yeah. i think that works really well and then bill's like oh she couldn't have and so you once again you're wondering what's happened now then we go back to the to the cat and it's now found itself on a construction site and this is a great visual this yeah. is you know kudos to um richard bowden or the cameraman i i, I don't know is it cameraman in, is it the you know, director they choose the camera shots based upon what the yeah and the, and the camera operator you know shoots it i guess but yeah so, the director chooses the shots i mean obviously in a studio you've got a, you've got a director who kind of writes what shots where they want and then you've got a vision mixer who presses the buttons yes yeah do cut the cameras that's your TV knowledge coming out there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have done it a little bit. I got sent on a director's course. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in a week. And they give you like different scenes and things to do each day. At the end of the week, you do an 18 minute as live Midlands today. It's not real, but they give you a whole crew. You have, sound, you have like a full gallery. So wow. 15, 20 people, really expensive course. And I was like, oh my God, this is, and it was really was the hardest thing. And I've still got, a, they give you an audio recording of it. And the end, I've still got it somewhere. But so, you know, I, I can, I agree with you in that I think multi-camera directing like Richard Bowden did on this, kudos to him because it is difficult because you've got a million things happening at the same time. And I think when he does the location work of the show, it's very um, cinematic. Or not cinematic, yeah. but he plays with the visuals well because I think a lot of studio yeah. sitcoms to do location shooting, it's very much, it's very wide, you see everything, you may do close-up, yeah. but it's nothing very experimental. So this bit here... You've got Ben sees the cat and the cat's quite close to the camera. And then suddenly it just rises up and you don't know what it is. And you realize it's in a bucket and it's being pulled up on a rope. And that is yeah. such a great little visual. Nice because, reveal moment, isn't it? Yeah, something. it's it's kind of done. It, it's done. It's it's making a, a, a genre of TV that's meant to be very easy to watch for, or, or seem to be. Just have elements that actually add to the humor because it's a fun, yeah. it's funny. It's a funny yeah. visual and makes it more interesting yeah i did did, did you watch it you probably didn't think this but i always thought it was a little bit like the whole cat and ben thing a little bit like home alone and it felt like the cat is like the macaulay colgan character and ben's kind of like the robbers because they're always one step behind yeah. macaulay colgan and it feels like with this ben's always one step behind the cat the cat's in control and has, has kind of planned everything they it hasn't but you know what i mean it's yeah. that kind of fun element of one situation after another that they, he never quite reaches it i like that as analogy actually because you see because the cat is an animal but it's it embodies a quite cheeky persona <laughs> really cheeky and yeah. as with everything it always pays off later yes this is true so we see ben climb up a ladder and the cat walks on a scaffolding tube um, I've got. I made sure I got the right name for that because I'm not a construction worker. It's <laughs> probably obvious. I'm. I'm. I'm Correct. I'm, haven't got the body for <laughs> DIY manual work. So and it's and it's it, it's a brilliantly um, put together stunt. This. So the cat's like on near the very tip of the tube, and then Ben's like pulling up, and then you see <laughs> the way that the key falls into the pit of cement. It's just like yeah. a bit. It's a real like plop, and he's just like, come on, boy, come on, come on. And then the cat jumps off. Brilliant yeah, visual. Great height as well. You're like, I thought the cat might have not survived that, but I know you, you wouldn't think it would. Yeah. 
Bill goes downstairs and again, you know, it's a tip. The iron yes. clothes are on the ironing board and, and just, you know, it's all a mess. The doorbell rings and, and as ever, she has a fantastic kind of line saying, if that's Jehovah's Witnesses, I'll show them where Jesus is. <laughs> she's, she's mentioned Jehovah's Witnesses before or, or to come, isn't it? I can't remember where. She, she was in, um, it was an episode where David had done spraying some anti, yes. some anti-fly spray. And uh, oh, anti pest killer. Didn't he tread in some dog, dog muck? Yeah. 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 And then um, there's these men who appears that do you want me to, do you want us to come and talk to you about God? And she just looks at it going, this is so tempting. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. That's brilliant. I do remember that. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So I presume, you presume yeah. that's Jehovah's Witnesses, I think. Yeah. And I think there's a great Britain one foot in the grave when Victor Meldrow opens the door and these women go, good morning. And he goes, goodbye and slams the door <laughs> on their face. <laughs> and, and they're all still... the butt of jokes aren't they in these sitcoms that's the thing oh believe me I, I, do you know what one time i had jehovah's come to my door when i was at uni as a student and i just listened to them for a few minutes yeah just, them, you know it was interesting yeah i just i, I mean I, I i probably would have given them some false hopes didn't they it was like do you want this and i was like no thanks <laughs> yeah but at least you were polite about it oh absolutely yeah i mean um they believe that what they believe but yes. yeah, they, they are definitely the butt of every sitcom joke. Yeah. So Rona enters in very frantic and she has to tell someone she had to get rid of Tony. <laughs> she smuggled him out the house and back to his flat. So I'm led, we're, I'm, I'm believing that he was in that yeah. black. That was him. It's, it has to be because how else did she smuggle him out? I'm sure she could have found a much easier way of doing that. <laughs> Just- it does feel like that, doesn't it? You know, there, there must be like a back entrance or some other way of doing it rather than him going in a body bag where it's completely zipped up, you know, and she's having to struggle with it and drag him across the floor. But this yeah, is that, Rona. Yeah. This is Rona. She, she just, she's bonkers. She just has them. It's the fact that she, I think once she decided to have a baby and took pictures of actors' eyes, nose yeah. and mouths and placed them on a picture of a baby face, every, you just thought, Anything is possible with her now. It's true. It's open season for any madness, isn't it? It really is. And you realise that she's she, you know, she's a bit scared because she thinks his ex-wife, Gillian, who's hysterical, sad, obsessed woman and will never understand that to- Rona just wants Tony for a sperm. <laughs> <laughs> the way she says it is so That's funny. completely normal for, to be, for someone to want that, you know? Yeah. For a baby. No, if she actually, if she, if she put it on, the, she put it as the DJ request song at the wedding. Yeah, that's a, that's a great line. When oh, he reads out. I love that. But it says a lot about Rona's character. I think you really believe... Because the thing I like about... I think the, 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 the thing is I did a screenwriting course at uni, and one thing that they always say about writing comedy is you have to make it believable, the humour, but it, it can be funny, but is it believable? And yes. it's almost the idea of... of just you know not just saying making a funny comment if it isn't within the character's persona so Rona is quite eccentric and a bit left field with her personality so what I think is great about it is anything she says now is crazy but because that's her character it's not like every character says the same thing just to be funny if they're all very they've all got their own quirks and humor yeah that's true and and I think because we found out that she really wants a baby mm. and it is like when you want anything you kind of most people would probably do anything to get that end result and she's one of those people that we've already learned that she really wants a baby so it's kind of like within the rap it's definitely realistic that she would do 
you know, you know, she wants the perfect um, father to father her baby, but not the actual person, just the genes. <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. you, but you can, you're right. You can totally believe it. And so she's kind of still really anxious. And then she says, you know, I feel like someone has been watching everything I've been doing and Bill looks yeah. away. And I think he pulls up this idea of sixth sense. Yes. Don't you always feel sometimes you just there is this idea. I do feel this way that, that people have this innate feeling that something's going to happen or if they're being watched yeah. or something's going on. Foreboding. Yeah. It, and yeah. I do feel that way sometimes. And so she obviously has had something happen and realize and not realizing it's Bill who's spying on her with a telescope over the road. It's, I, I like it when she says as well. Someone sent me a parcel dressed to tell you, and there was a, that was you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. How do you know she's so fixated in the uh, Tony's ex that she's kind of lost all reality, forgotten all those things that kind of all of this makes complete sense. It's just you're in your imagination. Yeah. And which a lot of people are like anyway, when they're stressed. Yeah. And so Ben appears and he's got obviously like stains of uh, (laughs) I can just imagine he probably went off the tube, went like all the way back down the steps. The cat's probably like going crazy in the cement. And then he, he's and then the cat's still running away, so he has to go in and then falls over. Or I think there's a lot yeah. of f- funny imagination. Your imagination goes away with you with the about how he got the cat. Yeah, yes, he's which I think is cement, isn't he? You know, he blatant went in that pit where the peas were. Blatantly, he didn't fall in. He would have probably no, 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 that would have killed him. But he, he often, yeah, I think the cat was there, and he probably had to, you know, because some wet cement is not great, and you fish out the keys, fish out the cat. It's, yeah. I think it was a challenge, that's for sure. And I, yeah, and that's more interesting to imagine than yeah. see because we've already seen so many brilliant moments. Gets to the house, the cat he's got, and then you find that it's not Snowdrop because Snowdrop is white. That's why you called it Snowdrop. And you're like, do you know what? When I, I remember watching this the first time, I'm going, oh yeah. yeah. Why, did, why did I not clock that the name Snowdrop? Yeah, so actually, it's very believable that Ben will have thought that the black cat is called Snowdrop. <laughs> It's because you don't associate. I think when I hear someone's name, you don't associate. You don't always hear the, the ramifications of that. So the fact it's called Snowdrop, of course, once Jenny says it, that why do you think she called it Snowdrop? It's white. You know, a Snowdrop yeah. is, is color, coloured white. So then it puts it all at you, like oh, the enlightenment moment for us as a viewer, or certainly for me anyway, but also for him. And, yeah. and it was kind of that shared experience again. It was funny. And it's a brilliant um, reveal because obviously you realise that he's been through all that rigmarole and he's just still Snowdrop's gone. And I love the way that he just throws it out the front door. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, it's just like, oh, you're not here. Go away. (laughs) There was a nice big mattress outside there. Yes. (laughs) But then again, cats can, is it it seven floors that a cat can jump from? It's very high. Yeah, very high. Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. Uh, And they have nine lives as well. That is very true. I'm not really a cat lover because I'm allergic to cats, so not dogs, but just cats. So I'm like, mm. yeah. I think it puts you off even talking about them. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I hope you hope this hope hope this wasn't no. The, this this episode hasn't given you sneezes. <laughs> no, fine. Little little tickle in the nose, maybe, but that's all. <laughs> and so they all go into the kitchen, and it's all done. The paper, the wall's been painted. The floorboards up, and I, what I loved about the previous episodes and the the look of the build of the kitchen is it looked like a very real room yes. being designed and being and builders and and that, and now you know having seen it look like with all the paper down and it'd be a mess. Now it looks 
you know, it's been done. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it felt very realistic and, you know, what they were aiming for for the last few episodes. And then Bill says, we're in, now we're in business, so you know they can get going. And then, again, just it's always that one final nasty yeah. um, punchline. But yeah. here, they've been still wanting, still saying, where's no drop? And then you hear a, a, a cat meow and they all just look to the ground and the camera just zooms in on the yeah. floor. And you realise that it's stuck under the floorboard. I mean, I mean, if you're having builders in a kitchen or in any room and they're going to be getting the floorboard up, you would keep an eye on that cat. And in fact, oh, you would put them in. You put them in another room. I've got cats, and if you've ever, if we ever anything's going on, you, you just keep them in a room. Yeah. Even if they're going to destroy the room, if they're going to meow, like I said, you just keep them in there because they're going to be a night. Or keep them out of the room where that work's going on because you just. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't live in the porterhouse. <laughs> uh, that's very true. That is very true. Um, yeah, they, they wouldn't have lasted long like cats if, they, <laughs> if we had. Uh, we're um, not without, not with Bill upstairs anyway, trapped up with the flu. That's the thing. If she'd have been there, the cat would have been fine. I'm sure. I think if she'd been there, she'd have said, "No way. We could find another neighbour to do a neighbour without yeah. any bad luck to do it." Totally right. And that ends. Curiosity killed the cat. I adore that episode. I really do. It's great, isn't it? Really I, good. I love it because I think I do like um, rear window spoof. Uh, yes, yeah. window spoofs. It's a very. There's so many different ways you can go around and do that film and and parody that yeah. film, but it's always within the realm of the store, the world of the series. Yes, it's that, true. And you know, two point five at this stage was getting was it was peaking. You know, doing very well in the ratings. This was I, I read somewhere this was eleven million who watched this. Wow! So, so you know, numbers. He, and numbers that we don't get anything now. Nowadays, it's five millions considered yeah, high. Yeah, exactly. Well, like Strictly probably gets about eleven millions. It's the same. You know, and that's deemed the most popular entertainment on the Veep. So you know, equivalent, isn't it? Absolutely, and and what what um star? How many star stars out of five would you give this oh, one? Oh, um, I'm gonna say four point five. I'm gonna say four point five. Am I allowed a half? Yes, yes you I, are allowed a half. I've got only because I think my five stars I'd reserve for Frenzy, Greed, and Mayday. So yeah. I think, but I think I think this was brilliant, and I would love to know actually of any of the titles. So obviously, this one was Curious to Kill the Cat. Just did Andrew come up with any of the titles before he came up with the storyline or were they always storyline first? Because I know sometimes you can come up with a clever title for a show, but you don't know what the show is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So did you come up with any of the titles prior to the storylines? Well, they're such good by, you know, you know, like not every sitcom has a, a separate episode title. Yes. The fact that all of these do and they're all really good and say what they are. I'm just interested if he ever thought of a, t- a subtitle first and then wrote the story accordingly. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Russell. It's been great. Amazing. Great to have met you in person and then great to have you on the show. I had a, another great 2.4 chat. Well, great. I've really enjoyed it. It's great to revisit, you know, the old um, episodes and great to chat to a like-minded person who loves the show. Thank you. And, and where can people find you? Well, I'm hopeless on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Um, I don't know how I've got 800 something followers. I think every time there's a, we do a new Doctor Who Blu-ray release, because I don't tweet about anything other than that, we do a really fun trailer, which actually kind of pastiches things. So the last one we did was kind of an, to do with business show, shall we say? I won't say which one it is, but it was with Bonnie Langford and Sylvester McCoy. So um, a bit bonkers. So and they're the only things I ever tweet. So you can find me on Twitter, but I very rarely tweet. So it's probably a bit dull for most people to, to follow. But go ahead, especially if you like Doctor Who. 
And it's Russell Minton, isn't it? Yeah. M-I-N-T-O-N. Fantastic. And hopefully have you on the show again. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks very much, JD. And thank you. And so next week, we've got your next favourite episode, Russell, Frenzy. Yes. And it'll be the return of Thomas, who will be on the next two shows, because as we know, Series 4 ends with two-parter. So thank you for everyone for joining us. And next time, if you're ill, please don't look into your neighbour's house with a telescope. Thank you. Thank you.